It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Happy game day, Seattle hockey fans. It's a special game day episode. I know it's a Saturday. We don't usually come to you on a Saturday, but not only is it a special Saturday episode, not only is it a game day episode, but we have a squad cast with the fellas from Emerald City Hockey. That's right, RJ and Dylan breaking down the crack in through 24 games and getting you ready for the Ottawa Senators game tonight. That's coming up on this episode of Locked on Kraken. You are locked on Kraken. Your daily podcast on the Seattle Kraken. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. We are the Seattle Kraken. Hey, hey, what do you say? And happy game day, Seattle hockey fans. Erica L. Ayala, your host of Locked on Kraken, coming to you on this lovely Saturday. Want to let you know that today's episode of Locked on Kraken is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. Right now, new customers get a $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's 150 bucks if your team wins. Visit fanduel.com backslash locked on to get started. And as I said, we have a special squad cast. We've got RJ and Dylan joining me on Locked on Kraken for the very first time. We're going to get you ready, obviously, for the Sen- Senators game tonight. We're going to talk a little bit about the Winter Classic and whatever that. NHL jersey reveal is and I am going to get to chat with Dylan and RJ a little bit about their impressions about the Seattle Kraken through 24 games game 25 tonight here's my conversation with RJ and Dylan super excited for this game day episode of locked on Kraken we call these squad casts but usually I'm talking to people in the locked on network this time Pre-game, I'm talking to people, a part of the Seattle Kraken Media Corps, some of my favorite people, as everyday listeners know. That includes, of course, RJ and Dylan of Emerald City Hockey. How are we doing today, guys? Doing great. Yeah, awesome. Thanks for having us. Of course, of course. And we're going to talk about our favorite uh, hockey team, the Seattle Kraken, at least in the NHL. So, RJ, let's start with you. I've told this a few times on the, on the podcast, Locked on Kraken, but you and I met for the first ever the, the uh, Seattle Kraken training camp. And both of us were just trying to figure out where we were supposed to be and if anyone was going to give us a big fuss over at Kraken Community Iceplex. But again, I tell listeners all the time about what you and Dylan are doing so bring us up up to up to speed, RJ. Since that first time that we've met and all the times since, what has been going on with Emerald City Hockey? Uh, give fans who maybe don't know uh, just a, a little rundown of, of what y'all do. Right. So, I mean, I love that story, by the way, first of all. I mean, you know, meeting you day one of the very first training camp. And I owe a lot of this journey to you, too, because I remember you gave me this great advice to just go through the media entrance, see what happens. You know, and that kind of <laughs> led to the path of us being credentialed. So I'm uh, very grateful for your advice there. Um, 
But Emerald City Hockey, I mean, we cover the Seattle crack and we've got a weekly podcast covering the team called The Deep Dive. That's anywhere you get your podcasts. Uh, we do a live post-game show on YouTube after every single Kraken game. And then um, the audio from that is also on the podcast feed afterward if you weren't able to catch it there. Uh, and then we have our Patreon at patreon.com slash Emerald City Hockey. we got a lot of fun bonus content there. We have a weekly bonus podcast, the Red Glare podcast. Uh, we do fun things like uh, armchair GM chats. I'll go on armchair GM on Cat Friendly and we can all kind of work on potential trades together. Dylan, I know you host uh, like a prospect chat, a monthly prospect chat where you go over all the Kraken prospects and talk about how bright the future is. And it certainly is bright. Um, so lots of fun stuff there uh, with Emerald City Hockey. Yeah, I love That's it. Cool. And Dylan, yeah, talk to me a little bit more, especially about the, the prospects chat. That's something that we've been doing a lot more intentionally on Locked on Kraken. But I mean, we're starting to actually have a prospect pool. Uh, so tell me a, a little bit about uh, that, but other things that, that you can contribute to to emerald city hockey yeah i mean when it comes to the prospect chat stuff i mean that's always been my passion when it comes to hockey is the draft process i've worked as a scout with the portland winterhawks for five years uh earlier in my career <laughs> right, there we go there we oh, go awesome let's go uh love to see it so uh that's that's always where like my passion within hockey is lied so it's been really great as part of the patreon to be able to do prospect live chats where go on and, and watch video and tape of the Kraken prospects in whatever league they're in all across the world break down their game chat with the patrons about what we're thinking about everybody and, and just kind of you know see how how bright the future is for the Kraken because yes that prospect pool it's starting to fill out and they've done such a fantastic job the Kraken have of drafting and and developing these players already a top 10 prospect pool only three drafts into you know their existence and that's that's something that's really been unheard of in the past so it's it's just overwhelmingly bright there otherwise the main thing I do with Emerald City Hockey is I host those um I well, I kind of host the podcast, but really it's I host those post-game lives. RJ being credentialed media for all the home games is there doing the media things. Got to go down to the locker room and, and get all the quotes from Dave Haxtall and the players afterwards. I kickstart things over on YouTube with the post-game lives. Start chatting with the fans figure out how everybody's feeling about everything. We break down plays from the game, go into all the analysis of what just happened, and then RJ can hop on and give us the quotes from the locker room and everything. Turns into a really fun time. It's a great community building aspect. We've found lots of people in there all having a fun time. Definitely recommend people check it out. Oh, for sure. If I'm still awake by the end of the game, I try to hop on when I can. <laughs> <laughs> given that especially Fair. if it's a home game yeah I'm, I'm a couple of hours uh depending on where i am <laughs> it's a little a couple of hours difference but i i've really in, enjoyed the community both interacting on social media obviously with rj not you yet dylan in person yeah. uh interacting with you in real life but then also you know we'll have people on the pod say hey well we heard this over at ech what are you thinking about this or stuff like that so i always always love to support our our media core i think everyone does such a great job and we all have our, our particular ways of of how we like to talk about the kraken so all the more reason i was super thrilled to have you both on rj i'm gonna have you start us off let's let's talk about the seattle Kraken. we know we have a game day today but i would love to get your perspective what how would you summarize <laughs> the seattle kraken through 24 games as we get ready to drop the puck against ottawa tonight Oh man, I mean, putting everything we've seen through the first quarter of the season, there, you know, there there have been a lot of issues. There's been some positives, I guess. Uh, 
a, just struggling to find consistency. If you had to put it in one kind of umbrella term, it's just that search for consistency, that search for a 60 minute effort. Um, and we've seen flashes of what this team was last year, how they're able to even be dominant against some of the best teams in the NHL, but they're just not able to put that together usually over full 60 minutes and against opponents that they really should be. Sometimes they seem to take them lightly and they don't really play the full 60 minutes, especially in the third period, kind of giving up leads and stuff like that. So I guess really it's just that search for that full 60 minute effort for that team identity that we know so well, like they've had effort issues pop up as well. And that's just something we haven't even seen from them over the previous two years. Like one thing you could always count on from that Hackstall coach group was the effort was always going to be there. Maybe the talent isn't always there, like in year one we saw, but the effort was always going to be there. And now that's been a little bit more in question. Yeah, I, I think that's a really great point. It's definitely something that we've been talking about on the show. I like that you also talked about the effort piece. And Dylan, as RJ was saying that, I was thinking of that maybe we're starting to show our age on the front end <laughs> this season. And maybe that's the difference. You know, we talk about prospects and we will again because we're getting some of that young blood or at least uh, some AHL talent coming up to the Seattle Kraken. But it almost feels like some of that veteran presence that we got in the offseason, that's been a little bit more of the dominating culture or sometimes honestly lack thereof, as opposed to that young, scrappy, hungry, kind of do do whatever it takes kind of team. I mean, it, I should say that's how I'm seeing it. Or, or I'm starting to question if maybe that's a little bit of the difference. But to RJ's point, Dylan, I mean, what are what are your thoughts on, on why there was a little bit more of an established identity that led to, you know, con a lot of consecutive wins? We, we haven't had a win streak this year yet. Not not like a real one. Um, and, and why are we missing that um, for, for this particular roster? Yeah, so I, I don't know how much of it's going to be totally roster-based. I know everybody's made a big deal about losing the fourth line from last year and how much they were able to contribute, especially offensively. And this year, you know, it's it's very much a new look fourth line, more in the mold of a traditional fourth line for a lot of teams. Yeah. I think that's played a part in it. I think a lot of it, though, has to do with, you know, season one, team had like two weeks of training camp together, dealing with COVID stuff, and that was all they had to get to know each other, try to figure out what kind of what brand of hockey they were going to play. And it was just not going to be a recipe for success. And we saw that very much year one. Year two, they had their first full offseason to get to know each other, the, the, the core group of guys, but also for coach Dave Haxtell and his coaching staff to instill a style of play that they wanted to work on. And that's one that's very much about attacking through transition, activating the D in the offensive zone, stuff like that. And what we've seen from year one to year two is they've kept that and it looks like the rest of the league has kind of caught on to what they're doing. And maybe I think some of what we're seeing just has to do with teams are teams are playing them knowing what they're, what they're doing. They know how to pick that apart and, and find weaknesses in it. We've seen a lot of breakaways heading back the other way. Teams are ready for that activated D they can catch them off guard and transition going back the other way. They know that the Kraken are going to try to attack in transition and they're going to enter the zone a certain way. They can kind of load up that side. Maybe that's having some stuff. So I think that's where the inconsistency comes in is just how prepared is the other team that the Kraken are facing to, to face the Kraken and can they shut that down as for the more veteran presence on the roster? That's still just the after effects of 
doing an expansion draft where you're going to mostly have NHL quality players, maybe not the highest of end, but you're going to have NHL level players already established in their career. And it just takes time for the prospects to come up, especially when you have so many NHL quality guys, it's hard to have those spots open up for everybody. But I don't know, because like, you know, Turbo. He's one of the older guys on this roster. I don't think anybody would say he's slowing down at all, right? Like, I, I think for the most part, it's and we're seeing that youth in 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 um, infusion with like Ty Cartier as one of the guys that really sparks and has that consistent effort out there. I don't know. I I think it's more so just they've kind of hit the speed bump and they need to kind of evolve to that next level of play, and we just haven't quite seen that yet. Yeah, I agree with you regarding kind of we need to see an evolution from this team. I do think I I really appreciate you bringing up um, kind of the opportunities on breakaways that we that we've seen from the team this year. But I think what that also brings up to me is something that anyone who listens to Lockdown Kraken knows, uh, as they say in the South, burns my grits, and that is that I don't think that even in the years and seasons prior that this has been a very defensively disciplined team. Uh, I think that we really went all in on effort and really trying to attack the puck and regain possession. And that is its own kind of form of defense. But if we look at spacing and, oh gosh, like just things like leaving and exposing the goaltender, whoever he may be <laughs> um, exposed, uh, you know, uh, back post. I mean, those, those are things I also just love really good defense. So those are always things that I'm going to um, see, but RJ from the defensive perspective, uh, maybe to Dylan's point, what do you want to see the Seattle Kraken really commit to when it comes to being able to evolve that part of their game, knowing that, yeah, there's a, a more robust scouting report on them now. Yeah, and I mean, I know you're a big fan of defense, too, so I'm not surprised, you know, by the breakdown there. This is something we talked about in that first training camp. Um, but aside from, I guess, a general just not so much effort, but focus, because that's the thing you'd see from the Kraken over the past two years is that when they're really focused and they're making sure they're in the spots that they need to be from the defensemen, they can go long stretches without allowing any kind of high quality chance. And all it takes is one lapse of focus where a defenseman kind of strays into the corner where he shouldn't or kind of leaves that spot or forgets a man unmarked in front of the net. And all of a sudden it's a goal against you. And it feels like those end up in the back of the net a lot. Um, but I thought Dylan made a good point to me the other day when he was talking about an adjustment that he sees the Kraken having made this season, maybe in search of a little bit more offense when goals weren't going in a ton, is that they were still having the defense activate a lot and you know having those aggressive pinches from the D like you see in a Hackstall system. But they're not having as much help really back from the centers. And the centers are kind of playing a little bit more aggressively. They're kind of searching for more offense and, you know, maybe trying to get a little deeper into the offensive zone. And when you have the defense playing the way that they normally play and not having that center help back, often it creates odd man rushes the other way or just mismatches in the defensive zone where somebody's available in the slot and there's just not enough players to cover them. So I think you have to make an adjustment one way or the other, whether that's sending the centers a little bit further back like you used to have them or having the D just be a little bit more conservative with their pinches. Yeah, that's a really excellent point. I'm glad that RJ, you brought up what Dylan brought up to you the other day. <laughs> um, I love that. Dylan and always I think... has the best stuff on, on those kind of things. So I'll just parrot what well, he I said. Think... I love it. And and I think as you were speaking about that I what my what went through my mind is that perhaps really what we're seeing is in season 3 that the Seattle Kraken 
they have a little bit more to work with, but they, the, the, the issue is um, that they, they don't and haven't quite figured out the right balance because they can be a team that I think could be a little more disciplined defensively, especially with the experience that they have. They can also be a team that can be aggressive defensively and having their defensemen shoot up. I love the point about centermen, and I, I know there was so much conversation about the focus on face-offs and was that detracting them from other things. But I, I think this is what I was saying um, when I was talking about Matty Beneers and, and his stretch of without a goal, is that we need him to, to be good at face-offs and we need him to score. That's why he's a top centerman. So I think if we take Matty B and kind of use that for the whole team, we need the defensemen to be able to, you know, mind gaps and and be really strong in the defensive zone. And we need them. This is just a Seattle Kraken roster that also needs them to be aggressive and, and to pinch and to help get the offense going. So I think it's just a balancing act. And so sometimes I feel like, okay, like we've got, we've got the things, we've got all the ingredients. We just haven't figured out the right recipe, maybe too much salt here, not enough salt there. And that's kind of what we're seeing, but then it becomes, well, how much time are we going to give this group to get the recipe right. And that's what I want to talk about a little bit. But first, of course, we're going to talk about a big event coming up. Effectively, I'm going to say later this month, uh, we're less than 30 days away from the Winter Classic coming to the Emerald City. Dylan and uh, RJ are going to stick around. We're going to talk about that coming up on Locked on Kraken. Today's episode of Locked on Kraken is brought to you by FanDuel. Now, as the weather gets colder, the NFL offers stay hot on FanDuel. Right now, new customers get a $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. And although, of course, we know that FanDuel is the official sports partner of the NFL, they also have your lines for the NHL. Let's take a look at tonight against the Senators, the money line. Kraken plus 104. The Senators a minus 125. So as I mentioned, that is for new customers. You, when you win a money line bet, any $5 money line bet, you will get $150 in bonus bets as a new customer. So not only do we have money line, but we've got over-unders, player props, spreads, and so much more. So visit FanDuel.com backslash locked on and let's kick off this NFL season. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. Gil Martin here, host of the Locked On NHL podcast. Join me every Monday for the three biggest stories from across the NHL, including how newly traded players are fitting in around the league. Check out the Locked On NHL podcast every Monday, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. All right, so we broke down a little bit of what we've seen from the Seattle Kraken through the first 24 games. We know that they're going to take on Ottawa later today, so we're going to obviously talk about that game. But let's let's have a little fun. Let's take a break from the analysis and just talk about the experience of covering a team that will host the Winter Classic. Now, Dylan, you and I are in a situation where we get some of our information from afar, from a distance. So mm -hmm. I want to start with you. Just what has it been like to uh, kind of experience what's happening in Seattle or uh, from a distance, I say, I should say, what's happening in Seattle for the lead up to the Winter Classic? 
Yeah, I mean, obviously from from afar, the the one place that you're most connected is is just through social media with everybody, whether it's on Twitter, whether it's in our Discord, in the post game lives afterwards, and everybody is just been through this entire process, just so happy to kind of have this event. There was at first maybe a, a lot of fans that didn't quite know what the Winter Classic was or how important it was in the NHL schedule. And then seeing them learn to appreciate that has been really interesting. But for the established fans too, just knowing that you're getting one of these marquee events on the NHL calendar, arguably their biggest regular season marquee event, uh, and have that come here to your come there, I should say, to Seattle. It's a really big deal, especially because it's not just that it's going to Seattle, it's going to showcase this wonderful sports city that Seattle is. It's it's that it's coming to the West Coast, period, which, you know, hockey is definitely one of those sports that has a strong East Coast bias. Time zones play into that for sure. But just having grown up in California, West Coast hockey fan, rooting for all those teams, you know that this stuff doesn't happen all that often for the West Coast. And so it being a chance for the West Coast to show that, hey, look, we can celebrate hockey too. A place like Seattle is just phenomenal. One of, one of, if not the best sports markets around for the NHL league-wide, all those fans to be able to see what Seattle's going to be able to put on, I think is just really special. And the fans are getting ready for it. And I was just up in Seattle last week when they um, debuted, well, yeah, officially the jerseys after the leaks that were the week prior. And Everybody fell in love with those jerseys. Those jerseys have held, helped it make uh, all of the team stores have set record sales because of those jerseys. They're sold out of those jerseys. The customization, the lettering and the numbers are sold out like everything's gone. Like these people are just going crazy for the Winter Classic. And I couldn't be more happy for the Seattle Kraken fans. Yeah, I love that. You talked about so much. And RJ, I definitely want to get your take on being in Seattle between the three of us. You're you're holding it down. But I also, I mean, Dylan brought it up, so we got to talk about it. I mean, that leak to me just seems so weird. And I'm I'm obviously biased, but I, I feel like the Seattle Kraken do a really great job with promoting their team. I, I love their, their little vignettes. Um, obviously love Seattle Kraken social media. And I just felt like it was a missed opportunity to have like random wrestling podcasts and of all teams in the NBA, the Utah jazz, just kind of like put on a sweater and not really talk about it. Like, I don't know. Was that just me, RJ? Like, what was your, what was the vibe for you? <laughs> <laughs> no, I was I was as confused as you were. And I agree. I think the Kraken does a real they do a really great job of things like that where they and I think the team unveiling, you know, the official one mm -hmm. went fantastically. They did everything they should. <laughs> but this leak release, whatever you want to call it, I guess this was a league effort. This was something the NHL did. And yeah. I do not have a similar amount of confidence in the NHL that they can get these things right and figure it out. Um, I mean, yeah, Dylan did a good job breaking it down on our podcast about just all the ways that you you could do it better and and you know the problems with it. So many but ways. I'm, what was okay? So Erica, what was your reaction when you first saw it? Because I don't know, like me, I was about to do our armchair GM chat, and so I was just sitting on there waiting for the stream to start, and I checked Twitter yeah. and I just see the pictures all over. I'm like, what is this? What? Like, why is what it? Is why is it being released yeah. this way? What are we doing? And um, you know, no messages. I'm checking from like PR and everything. Nothing. Um, no email right. from the league. And strange. like, what was your what was your reaction? How did you first see it, and when? Because yeah, with it, the time it, difference, it must have been late at night for you. Did you wake up? It to was. It? Yeah, it was late. 
I forget there was something I, I can't remember exactly, but there was definitely an event that I was at. So I was already kind of unplugged for a little bit. And so I was getting in late and then started seeing the messages. And as it turns out, the, the founder of locked on Kraken, uh, is the radio analyst for and play by play for the Utah jazz. So I'm texting him. I'm like, David, like what's going on? Like, he's like, I don't know. Like I'll try to find out what's going on. He's like, we didn't know anything about this. So it was just like so strange. And I was like, I get from an NHL perspective, I, I guess what they're thinking is like, Oh, like these other places and like a bleacher report, um, podcast as well. Right. Uh, Oh, these places are going to have product placement. And, cool, great, get that. But if these are places that don't already engage in the NHL, let alone the Seattle Kraken and the Vegas Golden Knights, like what is the value added for the NHL? That was number one. The second thing is I wasn't in love with how the unis were looking. And I was like, is it is it maybe just because I haven't seen the Seattle Kraken own it yet? I don't know. I was just like, I don't know. Like it was giving me retro vibes at first. And I think we can all agree as a fan base, right. That the, the retros, at least from a record perspective, didn't really work out for the Seattle Kraken. So I was a little bit concerned there. I talked about on the podcast, I would have liked to see a little more green to bring it even back even further and closer, I guess, to the Seattle metropolitans. Um, I would have really loved that just to add a little bit of that, but I thought it was, it was very confusing. And then the, the Seattle Kraken came out with their, videos and even just how they staged the the different photos and having T-Mobile Park. I mean, they're definitely catering to me because I'm also a baseball fan. So I was like, oh my gosh, like this epic jersey, right? With like the pink glare in the back. It was so dramatic and like so Seattle cracking. And I was like, okay, I'm feeling better about this. Now I'm excited. <laughs> yeah. I think the name and number strange. brings it all together too. Like yeah. the look of it. Yeah. Those, those were so. blanks in the leaks and I just didn't like that. Yeah, it was, it was not great. Okay. So another thing though, right. When we finally did get the, the, the official release, right. Uh, from the Seattle Kraken, the one thing that we saw blowing up on social media for Kraken fans in particular is that both jerseys in the, the general promo had a captain's seat. <laughs> and then I guess a lot of people also wondering if that meant that Alexiak was our new captain. I was like, that's for 2024. Um, but okay. So what are y'all's thoughts? Dylan, we'll start with you about like, cause I've seen some people talk about, Oh, we're going to get a captain, you know, that that's them telling us. And I was like, I'm not so sure about that. So one, do you think that they were subliminally subliminally trying to tell us that they're going to name a Seattle Kraken anytime soon? But if they did, who do you think the captain, the next Seattle Kraken captain will be? Uh, yeah, no, it, this was not them leaking ahead of time that they're going to name a captain and it'll be Jamie Alexiak. As you said, it's because it's taking place January 1st, 2024. That's that's why the jerseys are number 24. Uh, if that was the case, it would have lined up on the Vegas side of things, right? Like they are also, they had the same situation. Their captain doesn't wear 24. <laughs> that's all you kind of need to know. Um, as far as the Kraken naming a captain, I don't think that's happening, you know, mid-year this year. I, I just think they're really set with the leadership structure that they have. I've gone on record for a long time saying the next captain of the Seattle Kraken is going to be Matty Beneers, but they were going to wait and let him develop a little bit first and let him kind of take ownership of that locker room. We're going to see some of the more veteran leaders, you know, their contracts expire at the end of this year. It could it make maybe a nice handoff, but certainly just get him a season or two under his belt first but he is the long-term future of this franchise and just 
knowing him, talking to him, seeing how he interacts with the media, interacts with his teammates. He has captain material written all over him. He has since his college days. I still think Matty Beniers is the next captain of the Kraken, just not quite yet. Yeah, I'm I I'm starting to agree with you. Not not that I ever thought Matty B would be a bad captain. I just didn't know if the Seattle Kraken would be okay waiting that out. So other names that I've put up there, like Eberly, I've always been Team Ebbs, uh, Schwartzy. I think even just how he's been playing, I think those mm-hmm. two, whether they wear the captaincy or not, um, emotionally a lot of the brunt, especially when the team isn't doing well, um, just by them talking to media, that has happened through those two. But to your point, Dylan, I haven't seen that happen as much this year, which I, 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 I'm just starting to get the sense that um, unofficially there's a transition. And some of those guys like Everly and Schwartz are, are trying to see if Maddie B or other people are going to step up. And I really liked RJ what, what Maddie said after, I guess it would have been the Chicago loss, but you know, he was, he was asked, you know, what's kind of been the difference in, in games where, or he was asked about the seesaw, like you win, you lose, you win, you lose, and you can't really string things together. And he talked about leadership. That was the first thing that came out of his mouth and he did clear it up. He didn't want to be misquoted. He's like, and I'm not saying that people aren't stepping up, but that's what has to continue to happen. And I loved that. He said that we talked about it a lot on the pod. So in addition to any of the guys that either Dylan or, or that I tossed out RJ, do you think there's some other names? I'd certainly know that, that fans have some other folks that they would put at the top of the list, but I'd love to hear RJ. Uh, who do you think is missing from perhaps the, the captain conversation? I mean, I've agreed with Dylan for a while. The next captain will be Matty Beneers. It's just a matter of time when that happens. And I don't think it'll happen this season. I, I've always been in the, if you're going to name a captain before that, I've always liked Eberly for that. I mean, certainly in the media facing side of things, he has kind of acted as the you know de facto captain. Like if you need somebody after a rough loss to go throw out there and, and be a veteran leader to the media, you know, Eberly's been that guy. I hear a lot of Yanni Gord. I mean, he's you know, kind of the people's captain. Some people call him on social media. I tend to think I love, again, I love him. I tend to think guys like that do better without the C, just like they can Great. kind of just be a soldier, go get in people's faces and not have to worry about kind of being the captain there. You know, Captain right. Ann Pepperpot together doesn't always work. Um, <laughs> but really, I mean, Everly, you know, Everly's my guy. But I think, you know, if you could go potentially, I'm sorry, I'm the one to bring it up, but with like an Adam Larson, I think he's, you know, a quieter leader, but certainly the leader among all the defensemen. I mean, he he plays a leadership role that I don't think is talked about a whole lot. Um, yeah. But yeah, I think Eberly would be the guy if you did it now, but Benier's longer term. Yeah, I, I love it. We're all in agreement. All right, case closed. Thanks, everyone. Thanks for coming. Um, <laughs> but coming up next, I want us to talk about, uh, you mentioned Pepper Pot and oh boy, Ottawa. My goodness, I don't even I don't even know how to describe what happened, uh, you know, in that game against Florida. But we're we're gonna you know talk a little bit about what to expect in Ottawa. We're gonna get back to my conversation with RJ and Dylan, but first let me tell you that a new season of the National Hockey League and the Seattle Kraken brings so many different possibilities. Will Matty Beneers continue his dominance, or I should say find it all over again? Will we see Adam Larson really step up offensively, kind of how he did at the end of last season? Will the Seattle Kraken hoist the Stanley Cup? Well, 
We don't know about any of those, but what I do know is that you could win big by playing Daily Fantasy Hockey on Sleeper, the official Daily Fantasy app of the Locked On NHL Network. Now, I've talked about making my Daily Fantasy picks. I was kicking myself the other day for not using Maddie Beneers um, on my Daily Fantasy picks, and I did not regret having Ellie Tolvanen on some of my Sleeper picks the other night. Sleeper is our number one choice for daily fantasy sports, but especially daily fantasy hockey. All you have to do is pick whether studs like Tolvanen, Beneers, or McCann will record more or less than their sleeper projections for things like goals, assists, saves, plus minus, and more. And this is on any given game, on a game-to-game game game basis, like tonight against the Senators. To win 100 times your bet on Sleeper, you need to correctly predict the outcome of eight player stats. You heard me, Kraken fans. You can win 100 times your money playing Daily Fantasy Hockey with Sleeper. So start paying attention and nail your picks so you can start winning big. And one way you can nail your picks is by listening to RJ, Dylan, and I tell you about what we think the Seattle Kraken need to do to win tonight's game against the Sens. Use promo code LOCKEDONNHL and you'll get a $100 match on your first deposit. Terms and conditions apply. That's code LOCKEDONNHL. See Sleeper's terms of use for details and locational availability. Gil Martin here, host of the Locked On NHL podcast. Join me every Monday for the three biggest stories from across the NHL, including how newly traded players are fitting in around the league. Check out the Locked On NHL podcast every Monday, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. I have enjoyed this very special Seattle Kraken Media Corps squadcast so, so very much. But we do have a game day, so we, we got to get folks ready for the game tonight, RJ. Going up against the Ottawa Senators, what do we know about the Senators this year, and, and how do we think the Seattle Kraken will, will have to just kind of show up if they want to be successful against this Ottawa, Ottawa, Ottawa squad? Excuse me. Well, I think the first thing to know about the Senators is the struggles of late. I mean, they've lost three games in a row coming into this one, and frustration has seemed to kind of boil over a little bit. I talked about Pepper Pot and and Captain C maybe not going well together, you know, always in the Yanni case. Well, you certainly have that in Ottawa with Brady Kachuk as the captain. I mean, he gets into it as much as anybody. Um, And I think a lot of people... Uh, maybe followed that Florida-Ottawa game that just kind of went off the rails over 160 penalty minutes. Uh, The famous call from the official of just, all right, everybody on the ice gets a 10-minute misconduct. Um, And I think that's evidence of frustration starting to boil over for the Senators. They were down 4-0 when that huge scrum happened. um, And it hasn't really gotten a whole lot better for them since. There have been calls for their head coach to be fired, you know, a lot from the fans as well. Um, And so they're playing with a lot of that pressure. And I think the number one thing for the and to consider is one don't get dragged into the mud by a frustrated team that's you know maybe trying to take out some of that frustration and just don't take them lightly we've seen this happen a few other times this season with opponents that are struggling and i know the senators are still i think ahead of the um might be still ahead of the crack in the standings but they are struggling they played they played a lot fewer games but you look at the edmonton game earlier this season it was jay woodcroft's final game as the oilers coach They were in a very similar situation where there were backs against the wall. Turns out their coach had already kind of been fired. That decision had already been made. Um, And I think the Kraken took them a little bit lightly and the Oilers came out there and, you know, showed them who was the more skilled team. So I think you just have to keep that effort, keep that focus and don't get dragged into taking unnecessary penalties. Don't kind of stoop to their level, I guess. 
Yeah, for sure. Dylan, I want to come to you, but let's take a look at some stats. RJ, you mentioned a little bit of what their record is. 16 points overall for the Senators. Their home record, 6-7-1, and one, so they also are not 500 at home. The away record for the Kraken, 4-4-5. and five. You see what the, the Senators have done in their last 10. Basically a split right there, 5-5. Five and five. Three, four, and three for the Kraken. But let's talk about these uh, specialty team numbers. The Seattle Kraken have an advantage on the power play, 21.8% clip for us to an 18.9% clip for the Sens. 74, almost 75% on the PK for the Kraken. And um, the Sens, basically, it's basically about the same. Uh, when it comes to specialty teams, Dylan, we have seen a, a lot of different versions of, of specialty teams for the Kraken, exactly. And that Toronto game, I don't know that it gave us any confidence coming into the specialty teams battle. Uh, what do you want to see from the Kraken when it comes to the power play and uh, also being able to defend on the PK? I want to see them look like the units that they can they can be, right? The power play climbed all the way up to eighth in the league uh, heading into that Toronto game. But they've been both of those units have been very reliant on one person apiece. On the power play, it's been Jaden Schwartz who leads the team in power play goals. And when he left the game against Chicago, the power plays didn't look the same, didn't look the same against Toronto. Yes, you get the Jared McCann power play goal, but it still didn't look like that dominant unit that it was starting to turn into. And on the flip side with the PK unit, when Turbo's out of the lineup and he's not being as aggressive as he is on the PK, sitting in the passing lanes, not letting teams have free and easy puck movement, we've seen the PK unit look fantastic when he's in there. And when he's not there, the PK unit can be a little bit too conservative. It's it's very much just a standard box. They allow a lot of puck movement up top. Guys get open. We've seen them just get killed by one-timers because of that this year on the PK. So I want to see one or preferably both of those units have somebody step up and try to fill those roles that, that have been vacated by those two players. Yeah. You talk about the losses. I mean, that's, that's been a tough road for turbo. I know we talked about him earlier and, you know, I think after last season, he was a player that I reluctantly said, Hey, like, you know, love the guy, but is this a player that we might need to think about moving just because we're not getting what we need? Um, and could he be a player that that gets us something in return? I'm very glad that he, when he has been on the ice, has been extremely effective and I think is, is, has been finding his stride. Unfortunately, this is already the second time that he's been out of the lineup. Same thing with Andre Burakovsky. I mean, that's a really tough one. In the offseason, RJ, we talked a lot on the podcast about that perhaps what we were expecting offensively was predicated on having a healthy Andre Burakovsky and that just hasn't happened and as Dylan mentioned also RJ I mean Jaden Schwartz has been amazing we've all kind of talked about his leadership here but him being out is a pretty big deal uh, so we know obviously the lines have been changing a lot RJ but what do you like about what we saw from the Toronto lines and and what are you expecting now that, that we're gonna have Max McCormick up from Coachella Valley as you know, it just didn't work out with pots and he's back down with Coachella Valley. 
Yeah, well, I, I do like the McCormick call up and even just from a, a kind of a veteran leadership standpoint, he's the captain of the Firebirds. Um, I think he's you know going to be a good presence, probably in the bottom six, almost surely in the bottom six. Um, but still having a guy like that who, you know, is going to bring the effort every single night, night in, night out. Sorry to see it not work out with, with Podorowski because I like his game, too. He's a fun, exciting player to watch, um, but just didn't really get a whole lot of chances to really show that, you know, six, seven minutes a night. It's really tough in that spot. Um, but as for what I liked from the Toronto Lions. Um, I liked, I guess, kind of the lines that the Kraken were able to keep together. I liked that Haxtell didn't mess with Tolvin and Gordon Bjorkstrand and really kind of elevated them to the Kraken's first line. Against Toronto, they were effectively their first line. They had the most ice time at five on five, and they were really taking the brunt of the difficult matchups, it felt like. Um, and so I, I liked that kind of adjustment there. Um, you know, the Wenberg, Karche, and Yamamoto, I think kind of, you know, they had their moments, I guess, but I like moving those two up to play with Wenberg. I feel bad for Wenberg. He lost both of his line mates. I mean, the the Wenberg, Tanev, Schwartz line was working so well, and then both wingers kind of just get hurt. Um, so it'll be interesting to see, you know, what where the adjustment is there with Schwartz being out long term. Um, but I do like also how the power play was able to adjust a little bit um, with Jaden Schwartz being out. I thought they moved to some more varied looks, uh, whether it's Tolvin and teeing up four one-timers in a row from the left side or kind of freeing up Jared McCann to shoot a little bit more on the other side. Um, I like that they're, and they're using the bumper a little bit more too. I mean, that's it's kind of opened up some creativity there where they've had to go to different looks. So I think the Kraken are adjusting as well as they can to it. It's just so difficult to adjust to when you're missing those guys. Yeah, for sure. All right, let's go around the horn here as we get everyone ready for the game tonight in Ottawa. That's uh, 7 p.m. Eastern time, so that's 4 p.m. Uh, Pacific Standard uh, tonight at uh, Canadian Tire Center. But Dylan, uh, I like to ask guests when they come on or, or as I like to reference them, uh, Seattle Kraken experts, uh, I'll ask you this question. You fill in the blank. The Seattle Kraken will win tonight against the Ottawa Senators if. Oh boy, that's a that's a tough one. If they're on the right side of the four three end result, how's that? Because uh, every game for the Seattle Kraken is destined to finish four three. And you know what? They can tonight, right? Ottawa. We talked about the struggles that they've had. One of the big struggles for Ottawa is just scoring goals. Like they're just, they're just really, really having a tough time scoring goals right now. This would be a really good game for the defense of the Kraken to kind of bounce back. You know, again, maybe lean in a little bit more conservatively. Make sure you always have somebody net front and against this Ottawa team that'll get the job done. <laughs> I love it. All right, RJ, same for you. Fill in the blank. Kraken will get the win tonight against the Sens if. If they stay out of the box. Because the Sens have a lot of talented players and they're struggling to score goals, as Dylan mentioned, and you just can't give them the opportunities with the extra man. I mean, that's that's the kind of help that you just can't be giving them. And especially a guy like, you know, Tim Stutzla, who always seems to burn the crack. And I think he had a hat trick against them last season. I remember that still very well. Um, if you give those guys extra time and space, they will make you pay. But five on five, I like what the Kraken have been doing. Yep, four goals career against the Kraken. January 7th was that Hattie that you were talking about, RJ. For me, the Seattle Kraken will win tonight 
if they really start showing some moxie. I've been saying I want them to have a little more fun on the ice, but I think they also just need to play a little free. It almost seems at times that they're thinking a little too much. Uh, you know, we saw that, I think, a little bit against Chicago. Chicago came out pretty strong, and then the, the, the Kraken had to kind of figure out, like, whoa, like, wh what's going on? Like, wh what are we doing here? And and reset. I think also we've seen the Seattle Kraken obviously struggle to, to close out games. But I think if you're playing fun, you're playing fast, you're playing free, you're always going to – you kind of create little competitions for pucks. You create little competitions and, and things of that nature. I almost want to see them just relax a little. And I think this Ottawa team is definitely a team that's going to want to get under their skin. I mean, hello, they've got, you know, they bench clearing 10 minute major like penalties that we talked about earlier. Like, you know, so th this is going to be a team that's going to frustrate them. But I think if the Kraken play to their highest level and really just focus on their game in a way that quite honestly, we just haven't seen this season. Um, that that's how they win the game. I think it's a little bit of an uphill climb just if history is any indication through 24 games, but I'm still confident that this is a group, uh, that, that, wants to to play better uh, they're committed to each other they just have to find that spark and a, maybe a little bit of magic as well well rj and dylan thank you so much for joining us here on locked on kraken dylan let folks know where they can engage with you on social and uh, maybe tell us is there a game that you have circled between now and the winter classic for the kraken Oh, that's a that's a tough one. I guess I'll guess I'll start at the beginning. Uh, yeah, I've, obviously anybody can find either RJ or me with uh, Emerald City Hockey. It's at Emerald City HKY on on Twitter, Face, uh, Instagram, all that good stuff. Um, we have links to our Discord. I spend a lot of time on our Discord. Uh, that's that's basically where the, the best place to find me is. But my personal Twitter is at Yelling at the Ref. So pretty pretty easy for <laughs> sports fans to remember that one. I think. Uh, I and uh, yeah, I mean, as far as as far as games circled on the calendar i don't know i mean i'm i'm just really being up there the excitement around those jersey reveals i'm just so dialed in for that winter classic <laughs> Yeah, for sure. All right, RJ. I mean, like Dylan said, basically the same places that you can be found, but anything that you want to add, particularly about the Kraken in, in the next handful of games leading up to the Winter Classic on January 1. Um, let's see. I mean, I'm excited for this long homestand coming up. It's it's time for the longest homestand of the season. You got six games from December 7th to December 16th. It's really compact. I'm hoping, given some of the struggles at home that they've had really over the last you know two years relative to being on the road, that's where they can find their groove. And I think these next two games against Ottawa and Montreal are going to kind of set the tone for that as they head back home. I'm just after, especially Dylan got the last three home games over the Thanksgiving break while I was down in California. I'm excited to get back to Climate Pledge Arena, see those six games, and hopefully the Kraken can get, a, can get on a bit of a run there. Yeah, I love that you talked about the homestand and, you know, alluded to it earlier, but we've got to play better at home. Um, I think we even saw that in the playoff run last year a little bit. And, um, yeah, for me, I – I'm always going to say any opportunity to see Ryan Donato skate. Unfortunately, I do not get to see him wear a Kraken uniform, but uh, I just love his game. Um, broke that down a lot big time. And I was like, see, this is why you don't let Donato go. Like heat maps say that he's always right in front of the goal. And we're, we're just not getting any production, very little production, uh, 
in that fashion. But anyway, I could go on it for days. I think another team that I think will be interesting, more so just because of how things are, are going to divvy out and that once again, this will be a team that we're likely going to have to chase in the division. And that's the Kings. Um, you know, so I think I'm, I'm curious to see that'll be a part of that homestand on the, on the back end. Uh, but we have to really start winning those games as well. So, but RJ, Dylan, thank you so much for, for joining us here on Lockdown Kraken, the first of hopefully what will be many squad casts. And uh, other than the two games that I mentioned, I'm also excited for the 29th because I'm planning to be in Seattle. I should be in Seattle for that game against Philly. So that'll be a home game that I'll catch before all the festivities for Winter Classic. Uh, I might have to bother you, RJ. I'm like, I've never been to Seattle that time of year, so I want to make sure I pack everything that I need because the only thing I hate more than bad defense is being cold at an ice rink. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. I'll, I'll help you out with that for sure. Perfect. Sounds great. All right, fellas. Well, thank you again so much. And if you're not already following Emerald City Hockey or listening to Emerald City Hockey, all the great stuff that they do, make sure you do it. Um, and of course, listen to Locked on Kraken. And I know, uh, Dylan, we had a little moment just for those who are listening on audio. I'm wearing my Women of the Rose City Winterhawks, Portland Winterhawks shirt. He talked about working with uh, the Winterhawks a little bit. I was just in Portland, so had to hold it down for the Rose City. Uh, I love that. But all right. Thanks, fellas. Enjoy the game tonight, and we'll chat again soon. Gil Martin here, host of the Locked On NHL podcast. Join me every Monday for the three biggest stories from across the NHL, including how newly traded players are fitting in around the league. Check out the Locked On NHL podcast every Monday, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts.